Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. We are here today with a guest that I think is going to maybe add a little more flavor to our chaos and also at the same time, maybe uh, remedy some of the chaos to all the exciting things happening in the world of education and, and, and really humanity at large. And here we are going to be talking a lot about AI, but I think there there is a much larger uh, discussion about just how humans work and operate and design and how we just continue to think and uh, improve our abilities. And so I am here today with a guest that if you have done any sort of online reading, searching, looking around this topic, there's no doubt in my mind you would have come across her work in some shape or form. And if not, then this is a great opportunity for you to add her uh, to your list of resources uh, because the content is coming out hot and heavy and fast and furious all the time. So I'm here today with guest Dr. Saba Kidwai. And first, welcome to the show. I am super, super pumped for this. But for those that maybe don't know who you are, who are you? What do you do? And what in the world do you got going on? That's so funny. Oh, wow. Thanks for having me. I am excited to be here. Um, I am a former high school history teacher who slowly made her way into going from, I, I still call myself a teacher because I feel like that's what I do every day. Like I'm teaching people like different things just around different topics, but I slowly made my way into the ed tech space as um, I was really fascinated by how just technology amplified like so many of the different learning opportunities and like choices that we all had both in the student lens, but also the educator and adult lens as well. And from there, um, moved into the research space, spent a couple of years at Apple in the corporate space. So really I've enjoyed seeing like the education perspective from all of these different lenses and areas. And two years ago, um, after finishing up my research, started my own company. And so now I run designing schools. I love it. And and I've been asking guests recently and you've already started down this journey you know my kind of well you can see my my nerdy uh shirt here you know like what's your origin story thinking i like my favorite comic superhero spider-man and you've talked about that a little bit so maybe to build off of that you know so many i'm thinking educators um in general you know risk taking is not necessarily always in our dna um, you know, we, we are usually very empathetic people. And again, I know I'm, I'm generalizing big time here, but to go out and take risk or to jump into the corporate world and then to start a company is things that, you know, if I talk with teachers like, oh man, it'd be so great to do that. But you know, we wouldn't do that. And maybe some of us is fine. We don't want to, we just love being in the classroom. But my question for you is, as we're going to get into this idea of AI, I think it speaks to how you're able to stay on the cutting edge of, of this work. How have you learned and grown and been about yourself to be able to, I'm going to call them take risks to, to leave the classroom, right? And to find your way into Apple and then to go and start your own company. Like for a lot of people, that's like, holy cow, I, I would never be able to do that. So how is that journey? Maybe talk a little bit about that and then kind of springboard into, you know, a little bit of the same kind of applications as you're doing stuff around design thinking and design, you know, and now recently a lot with, 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 with AI. 
Well, that's a big question. And honestly, <laughs> I've been thinking about a lot lately because I get that question a lot. And I, I feel like, like as I slowly try to like peel back the layers and work through the answer, it kind of comes down to sort of like maybe like two to three different things. Number one, I think it's like an 80% mindset game. And that's the biggest one. And all of these pieces, I would say are things that like, as I reflect back, like on growing up and just everything like I've been through, so much of that has to do with the people you're around. So imagine if every single day you're with a teacher or you're with somebody, family, friends, or someone who encourages you and is constantly reminding you of your strengths and the possibilities is constantly reinforcing within you that idea that like, and I know it sounds cliche, but like anything is possible, but you truly have to be believe that that's actually the case for you. If you are going to trust yourself and the process and taking certain steps. So I'd say that's sort of like the first piece. It's like, it's really a mindset game. And no matter like what piece of this it is, there is a framework, a strategy, exercises, practices that everyone can put into place, regardless of what your circumstances are. So that's the first thing. I think the second area is being able to really understand your non-negotiables. Like, mm -hmm. what are the things that I just will not tolerate? Like, these are the things that, like, I'm willing to take a 30% pay cut for because I just will not tolerate that environment. And for me, one of those was always... Not, I know people think that like degrees and titles don't matter. My experience has told me otherwise. And <laughs> I think while 30, 40 years from now, that may be the case. I don't believe it's the case right now. I think when you don't have that, there's so much more work you have to do on the flip side. So either way, it's going to be a hard journey. So like pick which one is right for you. But for me, that was my one of my non-negotiables. I wasn't going to be that teacher or that like, you know, person who was given a stipend, but wasn't given the title for certain mm -hmm. things they were doing and implementing. And I think one of the biggest reasons I advocate for having a personal brand and really showcasing your work online is it's very difficult to have those choices if the only people who know you are the people in your building. Mm. And so that to me has always been the key that's opened up multiple doors is, okay, if the people here aren't going to give me what I need so that I feel like my values and my non-negotiables are also being aligned with, then guess what? There's 10 other people over here. So that personal brand is going to open up doors for you in ways that you will never have imagined. So for every single one of these steps I took, my that, that online piece played a significant role in my confidence in being able to know I could make those choices because of that. And then the third piece is, and this is like a hard one to be able to like, you know, replicate in some ways, but is really my dad. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, that goes back to like number one, which is the mindset piece. Like one of the things So, like we're four sisters, but one of the things looking back that I really appreciate and respect about him is he always highlighted our individual unique strengths. And to him, it was more like, oh, because I always want you guys to be close and I always want you guys to work together. So he was always doing it as in like, you know, you're really good at this. You're really good at this. This is how you guys can all work together. So whether it's like planning a wedding or a baby shower or a trip or whatever, it's like we have all these different strengths that we combine to like, you know, like this little power team, speaking of your shirt right there. <laughs> um, and so, but that constant reinforcement of like, okay, like, you know, that validation almost that's coming 
is um is is really really important and he was like an entrepreneur so like I also say and I think this is so important for educators and all the adults that are like listening as well people learn like growing up when you reflect back on like things you've learned I always say I feel like I've learned 70 percent of things from my dad subconsciously things just through who he was and like the choices that he made so for example like like you know um we we moved from like london to california when we were 10 we moved again to dubai when we were um in in like late high school and so to, so when you have experiences where you've just subconsciously been around people who do those kinds of things, then all of a sudden when you're living in a city and it's like, okay, well, would you move, you know, not even to a different country or a different state, but would you move from Southern California to Northern California for a job at Apple? It's like, it doesn't seem as big of a crazy thing to you because you've been exposed to moving, whether it's yourself or other people. And so, um, you know, like I said, he's an entrepreneur, like he's, he, he bought a restaurant and started it at 68 years old. So like, he's always doing these things. So just being able to like watch by example, and that's why I really believe like, you know, not every kid has that, but every kid can have an educator or an adult around them in a school who's like that. And so those are sort of the three pieces, I guess I would bring it down to, but I want to caveat all, all with, it's not easy at all. Like, right. and it can go well, it cannot go well. Like it's never a smooth sailing journey, but working in, like, I always say, I did not have a good experience working in that traditional school setting either. Like I was getting, I graduated right before the recession. So I was getting like laid off every year. So sometimes it's just like, pick your poison. Like there is no amazing, glorious, glamorous other side, like whether you are working in a, a corporate sector, whether you're working in a job, whether you are running your own company, whether you are doing a mix of all, there is always going to be good and bad, but that's where your non-negotiables come in. Like, what are the things that really matter to me? And am I getting those? And if not, what do I need to do? Or what do I need to like tolerate? So, cause I am getting X, Y, Z. <laughs> oh man. I absolutely love that. Thank you. Uh, for opening up and sharing that that's so gosh it's so powerful even as you were talking about those that kind of subconscious learning in my mind i i had this this image is almost like these like little tiny gifts being unwrapped you know through our journey of life that you don't realize it and then all of a sudden an opportunity presents itself or like you said like just to move and it's like oh like yeah i can do that and it's like oh it's kind of like a little tiny gift you know in your journey from moving from country to country, which I don't have that experience, but that's, it's, that, 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 that's a really uh, a powerful way. And I think that's the key with, with, with educators too. We can, we can be that kind of beacon of hope or that positive support structure. And it doesn't take a whole lot just to, you know, be human and just express gratitude for others. And, you know, and, and maybe to segue into that, into, to, into the work you do now with, with your own company. And I know even online, you've got a lot, you're sharing a lot right now um, around AI. And I share a lot on AI too. And something that you were talking about with, with the branding reminds me of like, for me, I tell people like, I just got to get the ideas out of my head. And it kind of forces me to be able to figure out, can I articulate the things that are swirling in my noggin to help make sense to other people. Like it's, it, to me, it's, it's really good processing um, things through that. But as you talked about your kind of elements there, um, how does, how does AI fit into that a little bit? And I don't know if that's really like the greatest of questions, but I'm thinking about like your, your non-negotiables or thinking about all the things and not to get caught up in the kind of same old, same old questions that people keep bringing it up with AI. But, you know, as you've really, really, 
dove headfirst into this and and really showing showcasing lots of ways of how we can wrap our head around you know AI not just in uh, education professional way but in, in personal ways and things of that nature. How does that fit into your ecosystem? Because I think outside of like yeah, here's a clever prompt to use. There are those all those non-negotiables that we do have to start to consider because it's so much more than just a quote unquote tech tool. Absolutely. So I always say, like for me, like AI, like come for AI, but stay for design thinking. Like AI <laughs> yes. has been like my catalyst for getting people interested in design thinking. And I think I would say prior to AI, um, you know, and I'm, I'm really like, I'm actually really proud of this. Like, I think there's like, you know, a lot of talk around it right now, but one of the things that, you know, like last year before the chat GPT, like hype and whatnot, like I had spent like the past four years researching, like what are the best practices that we're going to need in a AI driven world, right? Whether it's AI or other emerging technologies. And we came out with a documentary and literally like, I always used to say like when I released the documentary, I was like, oh, like this probably won't really happen for the next four to five years. And oh my God, it was like <laughs> literally like two months later, ChatGPT became this like phenomenon, you know? And so um, the design thinking piece I've been researching for like the past 10 years and it really came through my own experience like my very first role in rolling out um ipads and a technology integration mm -hmm. was probably similar to many other people's right like we're all excited about this technology like where we see it from our perspective like oh wow oh my god look what it can do this and that we go run we do pds on all these different things for other people and we're not met with that same enthusiasm and excitement. In fact, if anything, you're met with the complete opposite emotions. And I still talk to people every single day who like kind of like disregard those opinions and are just like, oh, those people, like oh, those. <laughs> and I always tell people like, it doesn't matter whether somebody agrees or disagrees. If you don't have alignment, you have a problem. Like you're not going to be able to advance your vision, your solution or anything, regardless of what the scenario is or how excited you may be. Perception is everything. And that's really what led me. And actually, I also always say this. I actually learned this from two first grade teachers. So I'm a really big believer in like teachers learning from teachers. And I went to a ed camp where I heard from them and they were sharing like how they use this method called design thinking. And at that time I was in a university setting, which was like totally out of my comfort zone. But what struck me so much that till this day I say makes design thinking so unique is that it begins with empathy. Even today, like just this morning, I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, we're going to do like an AI PD. And it's like, before you can do any kind of technology integration, you first have to do the people work. So there's so many steps that take place before. And that's what design thinking will really help you with in finding a meaningful and sustainable solution. So it's not just like, oh, come look at this new AI app and look at what it can do for your lesson plan. That may feel great. And I think this is actually one of the biggest dangers with AI. I know there's a lot of other things people talk about. I have a very different list. One of my biggest dangers is that when people are so overwhelmed and so burnt out, sometimes even the smallest thing can mean so much that you just run with it. So it can feel really good to plug and play into an AI app, your standard, your lesson plan, and get this like magical output all of a sudden. But one of the things we have to be so mindful of right now are the habits we're building within people. And mm -hmm. we literally 
actually shocking to me that we still do this given our last 10 years with iPads and Chromebooks. You know, I always say if like people had used iPads the way they should have been used, AI would be a non-issue for you in terms of plagiarism, student work, and all these other kinds of things. And so it, it, it's an issue for us today because we have always latched onto these short-term solutions that bring us even more long-term problems um, then perhaps like seem obvious in the moment. So I, so for me, it's that design thinking piece is really important. It's reconnecting with your human values, your non-negotiable. So like for me, freedom, freedom of time, freedom of space, freedom to make the choice to go and pick up my nephew from school when I want, how I want is one of my absolute non-negotiables. Like I need freedom to travel. I want freedom to just not be confined to a space. That may not be it for everybody. Everybody has different non-negotiables, different values that they hold dear, but having those, like even being aware of what those are gives you a criteria to make better decisions for yourself, for your organization at every single level. Uh, man, yeah. So let's unpack that a little bit more because I think, I don't think, I know, because I just like, I, I feel it in my in my heart and soul as you were talking there. How have you found ways to get people to to better understand that empathy, the alignment, the human element? I look about it in my work, both in my my regular day job and then when I go to conferences and do different things to speak. And I know that there are times that I am guilty that I fall prey to doing you know, 45, 50 minute sessions where I do say, where I am asked, like, can you just share some of the, like of the techniques or some of the tools? And I'm not here to bash that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I also know in my heart, as much as I know, there is, there is a time and space for that. Some people need those quick wins. I also know it doesn't move the needle forward in the bigger system of education, which is really, really where my passion lies. And I always feel like I'm on this like thin ice, this double-edged sword of trying to balance that out. One of, for me, hardest things is when I get those requests is to like help people understand exactly what you just said. And I feel like it's the same thing. I'm also really passionate about project-based learning, take AI completely out of the equation. Uh, with that, like helping people see like what's essential. There's a, a quote in, in, in French that I can't pronounce, but basically like uh, what, what's essential is invisible to the eye. And it's that learning journey. It's the things that you can't always put on a spreadsheet. And it, it resonates with what exactly you just said. How have you helped people may, take pause or to kind of rethink that? Because I do think it's not intentional but whether you are the people in charge that can bring in requests in PD or you're one trying to get it, you know, like to build that part in that we know is essential, but we don't ever devote enough time to it. Like you work with lots of people. You've seen lots of things. To me, that is such a crucial element. And it continues, just like you said, to get overlooked time and time again, probably due to time constraints. I'll tell you there's like two things that so you nailed it but it's so interesting like what you said because this is so true um we don't make the time for it and that is a choice yeah. that is an active choice we make whether you realize it or not like where we choose to dedicate our time and dedicate our focus like those are the seeds we're choosing to plant so you can plant either but what you do is going to get you the outcomes that you get 
the other thing that I will say is like a, a thing is one of the things that makes this happen, which is also another thing that I love about design thinking, it's both a method and a mindset. So design thinking is comprised of so many different frameworks. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are really stuck in that like five step hexagon model, which is mm. a great way able to like introduce it to somebody but you know I think we've even seen the d school move away from that hexagon model because of all the different problems that it brings about and people feeling that I just have to jump through these five steps and like boom I've done design thinking so within each of those areas there are so many deeper frameworks and one of my favorite tools that I like to share with people is called session lab and session lab you can go in and they have an entire library of frameworks exercises that you can do for pretty much any scenario, whether you want to do empathy work, whether you want to do brainstorming, whether you want to do reflections, whether you want to gather insights, whether you want to design strategy. And so the art then really becomes this kind of like a, a lesson, you know, um, which is why like even in like the documentary, like one of my favorite lines is like teachers are inherent design thinkers. Like mm. it's ready a part of what you do these are just different tools and a little bit of different vocabulary in terms of what you are already trained to do what you already know is the right thing to do what you enjoy doing as well so those frameworks make that possible but in its most simplest form the most simple sentence we do this in every workshop keynote everything is if you think about your next two weeks to one month what are your biggest challenges and frustrations? Like the things that you're just like, oh, like venting about with your family, friends and the teacher's lounge or wherever. <laughs> and if I had a magic wand and could grant anything for you, like what would that be? And one of the things that's exciting about AI, which is why I'm using it as my catalyst, is prior to ChatGPT, that was very hard for people to work through and problem solve. Mm -hmm. They could lay out the frustrations, they could lay out the hopes and dreams. But when it came to the actual like, okay, how might we like turn that challenge into an opportunity and then design for it, the bar just dropped so low because it, it's hard and it, it takes a lot of work. And again, to your point, we don't always dedicate the time. But these AI tools are just mind-blowing for this kind of work. And in this space, you know, it's also a very safe way in which to use it because the hallucinations don't really matter anymore. In fact, if anything, that's its strength is that it can brainstorm in all these crazy ways for you where you might like some, you might be like, that's a bit weird. Um, so we take all, everything with a grain of salt, right? Like the way we do anything, even from a person. Um, but the fact that we then have that evaluation lens on, um, we also know our environments. We know our people we're designing for. So we have that criteria to say, this is going to work. That's not going to work. Actually, now I just got this idea. So how about we tweak this up? a little bit here but all those things like we don't really worry about bias in that space either as much because we're simply idea generating with our own criteria so we are constantly in the driver's seat of how we are leveraging this tool but what I love about it is literally within 20 minutes people have this like confidence that like they're able to come up with ideas for things and actually see solutions and step-by-step -step ideas within a very constrained time frame for whatever it is, like their two 50-minute periods or the one-week lesson I have to do. And they have like a real tool with a real tangible solution they can actually do something with. So in its most simplest way, just being able to ask that one question allows people to come from a place that is, and that's the empathy piece. Like this is bothering me and I need this fixed. How can it help me? Yeah. You know, and that becomes the catalyst to people then going deeper into other areas.
I, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think you might be the first person I've talked to that has addressed hallucinations as a positive. So uh, you get, you get extra bonus points um, for that. And it's, 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 as you're talking through that, it reminds me of an example where I was working with some high school students on, they had a task for an assignment and they had to create a, a video for the juniors who are going to be seniors on things they should know. And a couple of them were pretty reluctant. I think we all have, have those for various reasons. So we had used ChatGPT to generate just a hundred ideas, and kind of going off of that, not all the ideas were very good. And of course, because these kids were a little hesitant, reluctant to do the work, they quickly pointed out how bad some of those ideas were. And I always use this as an example because I'm like, awesome, like you're right, that is a bad idea. What would make that a good idea? And then they start talking. And I'm like, oh, you see what you just did? You just nailed your idea. And it kind of like backdoored them, like oh, and like it backfired, you know, in a good way. So I, I always like to share that, like, you know, there's, 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 we got to, I hate to say think outside the box, but there's so many different methods in which we can use that for that brainstorm generation. That doesn't always have to be the perfect idea. Sometimes the bad idea can trigger actually what we're trying to articulate. We just don't always know how to do that. You know, and as, so as you're, as you're sharing that piece about the AI and you're talking through that leverage element you know, and I'm thinking about the people who are just trying to figure out what it means, what it looks like. You know, how have you, let me back up and rephrase this. So what I'm curious about, and, and maybe you agree or disagree or push back on this, one of the things that I, I like about AI, what I've found that I enjoy about AI is that it's kind of like a mirror reflection of humanity. And while I write and blog and share and talk about AI. What I like most about it is it gives me an opportunity to get back to the core of the bigger things that I want to talk about in education. Like, are we addressing the human relationship piece? Are we pushing for deeper thinking? Because it it does utilize as people want either want to want to bash AI or find the quick wins. Like it all comes back to these same questions we've been talking about for a long time in education, but not moving into action. And so as you have been working through AI through through your lens. Do you, do you see it the same way? Do you see it different? Um, to me, uh, my excitement is I can get back to like helping people think about authentic work, meaningful work, especially, you know, we can take the, the tried and true topic of plagiarism, and, you know, and maybe they're upset, but really what they're saying is, oh, my teaching practice might have to change. I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm going to bash the AI, but maybe you know, asking kids to memorize 60 vocab words in a block period isn't the best use of class time, you know? And so I'm just curious, you know, as I kind of word vomit my little, my little hot take on how I'm processing AI, do you see it similar, different, or, or, or how are you kind of infusing it into not just AI for the sake of AI, but really to that meaningful work that I know you're passionate about with, you know, design thinking and, and, and the other modality you, you operate with? I mean, I know I completely agree with you. I think I think what really resonates with me from what you said was it's allowing me to go back to these topics that I'm interested in, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that um, I think we really misunderstand that component of it, and we don't give it enough attention. Um, one of the things I've been telling people lately is so I have this framework called Spark, okay, which is all about like being able to just reignite your human spark. Like those things that you're passionate about, those ideas that you have that are so deep below all these layers because you just have no, like even on, even on the most basic level, 
most people don't even ask people, what do you need? Right. Like, what can I do for you? Like Simon Sinek has this like amazing, um, uh, story that he shares in one of his talks where he shares an experience about, um, a barista that he meets at the four seasons. And he's like, I was just so like overwhelmed by like how much this person enjoyed their job. He's like, I asked him, he's like, you know, do you like your job? And he goes, I don't like my, he's like, I love my job. And he goes, Whoa, love. Like, that's a strong word. Like, you know, like, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't say I like my wife. I, you know, I, I love my wife. You know, like there's a huge difference between those two words. And so he asked him why. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter who the manager is or who's there. People will always come by and ask you, Hey, do you need anything? Hey, how are you doing today? Day. He goes, but my other job, I just try to keep my head down, just try to have the hours go by. Like, it's just all about like, you know, business as usual type thing. So we really take for granted sometimes even the most simplest human interactions. Um, and, and I talk to lots of like, you know, you'll hear from most teachers like, oh, I, I never really talked to my principal. Like, oh, like nobody really ever like said this to me, or I just got this as an email. Like people are desperate for that human connection and just being acknowledged and thanked and like the most basic of basic human practices of being appreciated. And, and as much as we might like to have like an aspirational idealistic view of what teaching and learning looks like in schools, like it just doesn't happen. Like, you know, and so not on the regular. And I always, so like with the spark framework, the goal is really what we tell people is like prompt the human before you prompt the AI. And I think, you know, I, I will say I have a newfound appreciation for like tech skeptics. Um, when I think back to, I have this one timeline slide that I do where we talk about how like literally like we've had social media now, like not including MySpace, Friendster, but like just if you think about Facebook for almost 20 years. So right. the idea that you're going to hope for or like the idea, like I personally am not somebody who's optimistic that our governments and our societies are going to come in with some kind of regulations and policies that are going to allow us to create these amazing environments with artificial intelligence. Like it is literally going to be up to us. And if you don't believe that you have the last 20 years of social media to think through, like for the <laughs> general or for all these people to now 20 years later, start ringing the alarm bells is so irresponsible that you have now created, like, if you think about kids who were born, like they're young adults now, you know, they are young adults navigating careers in the most volatile, you know, <laughs> time that we have been living through. And so I really encourage people to like, not wait. Like I was talking to somebody yesterday about like, how are you thinking about policy? Not in terms of like the traffic light, you can use AI for your essay here, but policy around best practices. Like this is what we should be doing. This is what we should be trying. Things like that. Like, how are you creating value agreements? And like, literally the person was like, well, like, the US Department of Ed doesn't even have anything yet. Like to wait for these organizations. And this is something that it's very difficult to say, but also very necessary. It's really also important to question these organizations. Um, you know, these really large, big organizations that we look to, where have you been the last 20 years? And like, where is that check on why have things not evolved? And why are people so flustered? Where is the advocacy? Like, what is, like, who's going to take the step back and ask what is the missing piece here? Because if you just blindly follow these organizations, you will get what you've gotten the last 10 years. And I've, I'm very, I've, I really believe this when I say it, like, if we keep that trajectory going, we will laugh that we thought social media was the worst thing ever for mental health. <laughs> you know, we'll look back and like wish for this time that we are in now, not 20 years from now, probably two to three years from now. So there's a real individual like opportunity for every single person to really 
be that person and find that tribe in your community to begin advocating for these things, to encourage people to pause as they think about what this technology means, what you want it to look like, and how it's going to shape society and just even even just your community like don't even think like so big picture like even if you just start with your community it will have that ripple effect and so that's why I've been excited about it that's what I've been doing um and that's it's 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 really empowering to see and so validating to see how quickly people resonate with that message like people always Mm -hmm. tell me like talk about plagiarism you don't talk about xyz when you frame things from that human lens those conversations automatically fizzle away because people all want to, people already believe in things like project-based learning and what's right for learners. It's not that we need to be taught those things. We need to be given, okay, how do we make that happen? Yes. So yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's so spot on. I'm, I, you know, I was, I was, so I get asked sometimes, like, why are you talking AI like all the time? And, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, one, um, I'm a nerd. I do enjoy it. I I love learning. It's like my dopamine hit every time I do go online. There's always something new, uh, good, better, and different. Like it's I, I kind of like it. But my 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 real response is like I see an opportunity to try to do a small part to be proactive. So like when social media rolled out, it it just rolled out. Like there wasn't a whole lot of proactive, like we just let the guardrails out and, and, and now here we are where we are, just, just like you, like you alluded to. And I had a guest on the, on the show that uh, the episode hasn't gone live yet, but she's an ethicist and she was talking about this generation, just the amount of trauma that they have gone through. Um, You know, we have COVID and things of that nature, but this other underlying thing that she believes like we won't even understand the ramifications, just social media of just what you not even looking for it, things you see here and witness that you're, it just comes across your screen and kids are so nonchalant about it. And that's a little alarming and they don't even really necessarily even know what it is that they're the subconscious, the brain just not to it, to be able to understand what it is there, you know, but like you said earlier, it's planting a seed and that really opened my eyes thinking about that. And I'm thinking about AI and I'm thinking about these things and I see AI as this opportunity. It kind of bundles all these things we've tried to silo in education of, you know, what does it mean to make good decisions? You know, all our, all our social studies standard lessons are woven in there. Our digital, digital citizenship, you know, ethics and values and, you know, our, our, our SEA, like it's all right there packaged and like, what are we going to do about this? And if we're not empowering our students to grapple in these conversations, that doesn't mean you give them every tool and all this stuff, but I'm just saying, how do we start to dialogue? Just like this generation doesn't know a world without touchscreens, they're not going to know a world without AI anymore either. And the other thing I'll stack on that and is like, I'm doing a project right now. And part of this is we work with NASA and, and the Artemis missions on this idea of what are the ingredients to survive regardless of time, space, and place? And we compare the past, the present, and then living on the moon and Mars and trying to get people to realize like when these sixth graders graduate high school, they're not graduating into a global economy. It's going to be a space economy because there's going to be lights and infrastructure on the moon that is like all my sci-fi, fantasy books, shows, comics, cartoons, video games, dreams, 
Like it's 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 going to happen, and to get people to wrap their head around like, and yet here we are worried about if a kid plagiarized or cheated on a vocab test, and I'm like, and not to keep coming back to that, but like I'm like we're missing we're missing this this much bigger opportunity, and I don't think it's to any fault of their own. There's there's lots of reasons for it. Hands are tied, the burnout. But it's like, how do we open the door to start to get these conversations going to what you said of like, how do we do it? How do we start to have this conversation? Because I don't even know how to even log into a chat GPT yet, you know? And so I'm, I'm like in this muddled space of like, how do you help them? And then how do you help them over here? Because there's this bigger thing we need to help with. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's just, it's exciting. And it's just like, we don't have enough time to get everybody to where we need to be. It feels like sometimes I'm like, I feel like we're trying to be proactive and still behind the eight ball. <laughs> so funny. I feel like that was like the best grand finale you could have. For this <laughs> I love how you encompassed all those pieces in there because you're right. It's like almost being given like a second chance. But I, but I also wanted to say like, I actually also really admire like your consistency, like how you show up like every single week with your podcast, different topics, different everything. Like that's, that's not easy work. Like that's very, very, very difficult work. But I also want to make it like, let people know as well. Like, I don't want to make it sound like, like, I think social media is a bad thing. I know. Right. Right. I I was like me and you, like the fact that we're here having this conversation and we're connecting in this way and that we get to learn from each other. Like that goes back to the, the beginning, right? Like, how do you get, like, how do you get to know people beyond your building? And there's so many positives, but I think only a fraction of society actually knows how to leverage it in that way, think about it in that way and actually make it work to their advantage. And the people that do like, it's life-changing. Like I always say, like, I would never be able to do what I'm doing right now. Um, you know, from a work perspective and so many other things or know and learn from the kind of people that I do if I didn't have it. And so how we, think more purposefully about helping everyone, you know, social media, AI, whatever is going to be so important because AI is just like even more powerful and even yeah. more <laughs> like than social media ever could be. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was literally just yesterday talking to somebody and I was like, I don't know when it, I don't know when it happened, but just like the, the, the progress of the social media apps and how it's progressed how I've become so locked into LinkedIn. <laughs> like if you would have told me five years ago, Aaron, you're going to be a LinkedIn junkie. I would have been like, mm, I don't know about that. Like maybe I went there a little bit, you know, like, and it wasn't like one day I just decided, you know what, that's where I'm going to spend my time. But now like I like there's people that I admire such as yourself. Like I learn, I am legit learning it is like my own like learning course. I, I learn and I'm applying and people share stuff. Like at the time of this recording, you posted five tools that you're really liking and some of the ideas. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that tool can help me with a student that did, just moved into a district that I'm working in that doesn't speak English. I'm like, this is exactly what I need. Like, it's just like, so it's just so funny. I mean, you're talking social media. I know it's kind of sidebar, but I'm like, I was just like, no. when, when, did, when did I become so in love with LinkedIn? Like, I mean, I'm on it all the time, but I don't know how it happened. <laughs> It's totally connected. You know, one of the things that I think is so impressive and something like I personally really admire is that's why, like, it goes back to what we're talking about at the beginning, right? About your values and your non-negotiables. It's so interesting to me that LinkedIn, you know, and and you, if you, if you were on there long enough, you might've remembered like a time when they tried to do stories and they yes. tried to 
Instagram, yeah. whatnot, because that's the pressure that we feel, right, with competitors. But they realize very quickly that those are not our values. That's not the type of environment we want to create. Like LinkedIn, you could tell really, really, really has a vision for the environment they're trying to create, the values that they have. And I call it like the integrity of the platform. Mm-hmm. Like it's a place you go where people are not, I always say like, it's not a place where people are mindlessly scrolling. People are reading, they're yes. paying attention. They're not just leaving emoji hearts as a comment, like it's real. Um, But that really goes back to the values that they have for what they want to see in their space. And it's not, it's never easy to hold on to those values, especially when so much is happening around you. But LinkedIn is a great example of what happens when organizations do hold on to their values and have that integrity for what the outcome is where today, any professional or anybody who really wants quality brand, not just brand, but quality leads and clients is going to tell you. LinkedIn is the space to be like Gary right. does it all the time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and as you talk about that, I think, you know, that's like the biggest, biggest, one of my biggest takeaways today is just coming back to that essence, which is it's so simple at its core, but I think it's such a great reminder for no matter what we're talking about is, you know, you said at the very beginning, what are those non-negotiables? What is it that you stand for? And whether we're thinking about that in our personal life, we're thinking about that in our classroom, you know, we can get back to then stacking that with empathy for ourselves and insert what that means for us, but also empathy for those around us. And then we've got, you know, systems and tools and frameworks like design thinking and then other opportunities like AI to help us leverage that that cognitive capacity to really push the envelope to new ideas and inspiration. And to me, that's that's the core and essence of, gosh, just being alive and being in being human, as cheesy as it sounds, like that's it. And I think like, especially in education, we like to take the simple and boy, overcomplicated. And I think, you know, as we we kind of come full circle to be respectful of your time, like thinking about, you know, whether it's AI or whatever the, the topic or flavor is going to be, um, you know, through that lens. And maybe it's time that we just, we do need to pause again. <laughs> who are we? What do we stand for? What are our non-negotiables? And, and then who are the people the platform, the places, the tools that can help us maximize those elements. And so I think, you know, just talking with you, that is like my, my aha takeaway, which is, which is really, really profound. I think I've got some, some deep thinking to, to do for myself. So I appreciate uh, my, my little, my, my, my little mini therapy session here today. So, You're I appreciate- so, funny. You're so funny. But you know, you know what that says though, it goes to show you how, like, just by sometimes simply asking that question or just opening the door using a framework, right? Like what are your challenges? What are your hopes and dreams? Let's prompt AI. Let's do that. It gives you structure. And I always say like for a leader or for anyone who's facilitating, it can be really scary to even open that door. Like, Oh, how yeah. do I know all conversation and whatnot. And so that's like the biggest benefit of a design thinking or a framework and a structure of an exercise is you can scaffold, but also control the conversation through those guardrails of your framework. And just to, cause you said tools and things like that, like, I want to be able to like give people like, you know, at least like we, we already said session lab. So session lab is amazing. Yes. Um, there's two other ones that I love recommending is like that first step, even just for yourself. One is the spark type. Mm-hmm totally free assessment takes like five minutes, but unlike like a personality test or something like that, the spark type basically tells you what energizes you at work. And it also gives you the flip side, what drains you mm. and what drains you doesn't necessarily mean is a bad thing. It's just not your number one choice for what you would be doing. It might be choice three or four, not number one, mm. but just 
own knowledge about like, yeah, this is what energizes me. Like, I remember a time when I did this and this is how I felt like reconnecting. And what's even more beautiful is when you do it with students or you do it with people who work together, they'll actually start telling each other like, mm-hmm. oh my God, yeah, that's <laughs> you. I remember when you did X, Y, Z and it just builds this beautiful, beautiful space. So that's one. And then the other one is, um, and I'm also going to caveat this. I don't recommend the book. Sometimes when I recommend books, like people get them, but like <laughs> but the, type, the book is basically a compilation of all the different spark types. So if that's what you want, then great, go get the book. But the book is not like a deep dive into the world of work or anything like that. It's just a compilation. Um, so the assessment is free. The second one though, I actually do recommend the book and it's by Brant Mansoir and it's called Black Sheep. And mm. Brant's work is all about what are those five core non-negotiables but he also really challenges you because he says you know sometimes when people say what's the value or what's something you really believe in the people be like oh health and this but you go okay let's look at your last week you know and you realize like that wasn't a non-negotiable for you right like so either how do you change that and align your actions to that or maybe it's just not your non-negotiable um, so he calls it like, those are the things that make us like, you're like a black sheep. Um, but it's a small book. It's an amazing read, but he also has an online assessment that you can do to help, um, clarify and understand what your five non-negotiables might be. But again, to show up to a team meeting with that and have that dialogue and discussion, he actually says from in the, his research, I'm going to forget what all five are that are people as he surveyed over like hundreds and thousands of people mm-hmm is people's number one non-negotiable core value connection Mm. across the board, he says. So it's a really interesting exercise. I always tell people, even before you get to the AI conversation, have those conversations first and your foundation will take you so much further for any AI conversation it is that, or any technology conversation or change initiative conversation it is that you'll have. So spark type, black sheep and session lab. I love it. And for those that follow the podcast, you know, I will have all that linked into the show notes for people to check out. And obviously all your links to work will be in there as well. And, you know, as, as we wrap a bow on this, you know, as you talk about those, those resources and you, with your final statement there of doing some of that work before you have the AI conversation, it again, goes right back to what you said at the very beginning, you have to have alignment first. Like it doesn't matter uh, what you want to talk about. Um, you know, if you want to talk AI, if you want to talk, you know, standards and structures and assessments or insert whatever, whatever the, 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 the issue is, if that alignment piece of the people aren't there, like you, and to stack it with this black sheep that I haven't read, but I'm going to be, and that idea of connection, you can have the best ideas ever and it's, it's not going to move very far, but if we can build that strong foundation, we feel a sense of belonging, we feel connected, you know, we know a little bit about ourselves and how others work, man, the, 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 the learning from there can just flourish in, in, in such positive ways. And so I think it's just this whole conversation is a reminder that we can get caught up in all the AI tech side of things, but really at the core of it, what it's bringing us back to is this, that, that human element. And this has been, uh, gosh, just a wonderful lightning conversation. So I can't thank you enough. You are a very busy person doing lots of things, both professionally and personally, as I watch I always you love this navigate this the uh, my favorite. the Tim Ferriss for uh, uh, four day work week or whatever you got going on there. <laughs> so keep keep doing what you're doing, and I'm excited for anybody listening who isn't following your work to definitely check you out. But I always like to end if they are at a red light and hopefully not driving, and they don't have access to their computer, and they do want to start 
following your work, where is the main place for them to go to uh, get started on the journey with you? I always say just the website, designingschools.org. It's like a choose your own adventure wherever you like to get your content, whatever it is that you like to follow or do or where you prefer to, you know, connect with people. The website has everything for you there. Perfect. Well, as I've said, truly an honor. Really, really excited to have you on the show. This has been incredibly powerful and I'm excited to uh, get this out for uh, everybody to hear. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, thank you. And again, I really admire your like consistency and the work you do here. It's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.